Good morning. Follow-up to what I talked about yesterday. The city is talking about big projects, such as building 65,000 homes with the city as the contractor. But a recent report shows they can't do speed bumps in a timely manner. The CBC reports, the road safety report asked councillors to streamline the process by which city staff create speed bumps. They say the traffic calming infrastructure is relatively inexpensive, quick to install, and effectively reduces motor vehicle speed. The city installed 185 speed bumps last year to cost $4,000 a piece. They take one or two days to install. But staff say from the initial request from a neighborhood to the date of installation can take two years on average. Two years. It's a speed bump. Right now, if a resident wants speed bumps introduced on their street, they must petition neighbors to race to sport. Residents must be polled. City staff must perform a number of studies. How many studies do you need? Have you heard of the speed bump? What is it, some sort of environmental disaster if you were to speed bump on a street? <laughs> this is insane. And, uh... Cycle Toronto's Director of Advocacy and Public Policy, Alison Stewart, said the rules shouldn't be that onerous to install road safety equipment. If they poll the neighbors, by the way, that's news to me. One day driving home in my neighborhood, I had to navigate around some uh, cones that were protecting shallow holes in the road. A few days later, the holes were revealed to be the base of a series of speed bumps they were adding to the roads. I lived in the neighborhood for years. Nobody called me. If it takes two years... That has nothing to do with the workers getting out there and building the thing. That only takes a few days. It's a system problem. Builders will tell you it takes years to get permits to start building. The Building Industry and Land Development Association claims that lengthy approval times have added up to $50,000 to the price of condo apartments since 2020. That's not the cost of the building. It's the cost of dealing with administration. The build report notes that approval times in the GTA are higher than in any other part of Canada. Here's one example of how the problem is simply systemic. It is government culture. Politicians will tell you. I've had them tell me this. One of the reasons to take on a big project like hosting the Olympics, the Pan Am Games or World Cup soccer is because it puts a deadline, a hard deadline on the building of capital projects that in some cases need to be done anyway. That is the lamest reason of all. Just forego the event. Save the capital money that will go into that and put the date on the calendar and then respect the deadline as you would if you had that event. You know what that's called? Management. If you could get it done by the time the Olympics start, let some other city take the risk and the trouble and announce that you'll have the project done by the time we all sit down to watch the Olympics. John Kennedy didn't say America would go to the moon someday, maybe kind of, sort of. To the moon by the end of the decade. Everybody leaned in and they did it in seven years. Canada, meanwhile, has the longest wait times among Western nations that have socialized medicine. It's a system problem. I believe the biggest issue we have in trying to solve these problems is that Can uh, Canadians don't complain. We put up with it. There's a story in the news today profiling a woman who's waiting weeks and weeks in fear for the result of a breast biopsy. Does she have cancer? Well, she'd like to know. She's angry, she said, because the next step is acceptance. And that would make her give up. So she's going to stay angry. But at who? Because in her next statement, she says she's not angry at the people in the healthcare system. Well, get angry. Don't accept a system that puts sick people in hallways if they do get in for health care. When enough people speak up and threaten the future of politicians, they do react. We have a recent example. 
Doug Ford and the Greenbelt plan. I don't think he should have backed off that, but I was outvoted and outshouted, and he reversed course in a fairly short period of time. Will people get as exercised about going after the city and the province to get houses built or just back off now that the Greenbelt plan is gone? People are complacent. And politicians rarely face a consequence. And of course, failing bureaucrats get raises. Sure, I have an example on that one too. Phil Verster, head of Metrolinx. The crosstown is such a disaster, he's given up on giving us estimates on date or cost anymore. He got a raise. So we get what we get. That's the problem. CTV's Natalie Johnson talks about the amount of time it takes to get a speed bump installed. In the last five years, the city has installed an average of 185 speed bumps annually at a cost of $4,000 each. The installation takes one to two days, but to get to that point takes an average of two years. Jennifer McKelvey, who was interim mayor between uh, Olivia Chow and John Tory, infrastructure committee chair comments on this. Right now, it's very convoluted. Sometimes the petition's required, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it gets overridden at council. All right, uh, here is Rick from Hamilton. Hi, Jerry. Uh, I just came from uh, Spruce Grove, Alberta, just outside of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And for slowing down there, they have speed cameras on there. But you are warned in advance that there are speed cameras up there. And at 60 kilometers an hour, everybody slows down. Otherwise, you're mail tickets because they can't afford the police officers just writing tickets. So you get a surprise in the mail when you speed. Okay, but but how long does it take from the time they decide to put those speed cameras in one intersection till they actually get them up there? Do they have the same bureaucratic issues there that we have here? That I couldn't tell you because my daughter and son-in-law, we just moved them out there because of opportunity. So, and I got to admit, it's beautiful out there. I can see why so many people are from Ontario going there. So I couldn't answer your question there. Sorry about All right. that. But one more thing, but, uh, though. It's a little yeah. bit of a, a tangent here, but what was the opportunity? Police officer. Oh, a, jo- a job opportunity. And what was the yeah, cost? Of, what's the cost of housing out there? Actually, they sold their house in Welland, and they bought a beautiful three-bedroom for four sixty, and they're way ahead. And it's a twelve-year-old, beautiful home, beautiful home. All right, for four hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, and yeah. It's a great neighborhood, you know. Thanks very much I for your very, call. Okay, thank you. All right, all right. I, I'm I'm serious about this. If the public gets exercised about something and politicians think, oh, my God, I might not get reelected. They will react. Other than that, there's no consequence to them. You need speed bumps in your neighborhood because people are zooming through and it's dangerous for the kids. Well, maybe your kid will graduate before you get a speed bump put into the neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I'll give you another example, by the way. And this happened when I was on the radio in the United States. And George W. Bush, Republican president, had this idea that he would repeat what I think was the biggest mistake Ronald Reagan made during his presidency, and that was to just make legal every illegal immigrant in the country and start over again. Well, when Reagan did it, let's, let, let's be giving here to Reagan and think, okay, I see what he was trying to do but he didn't see the consequence of it. He should have. Well, that was a great big flag waving saying, hey, break in illegally to the United States. There are a bunch of chumps. They'll make you legal eventually. So George W. And and of course, that's what happened. Uh, The problem got worse. So George W. Bush let out that he was thinking of doing this. 
Now, you probably think that all these middle-aged white guys dominating conservative talk radio in the United States just, you know, salute to whatever Republican president wants to—oh, no. Oh, no. Every, every talk show host was just furious about it, and, and we talked about it, and uh, they, that was an example where Republican congressmen were so in fear of losing their, the next election if that happened, and literally— the phone calls to the White House were so immediate and so voluminous that it didn't figuratively, it literally blew up the phone system at the White House for a short period of time. And they went, oh, okay, well, okay, never mind. We're not going to do that. But without the noise, they go ahead and do whatever they want. So if, you're, if you just lay back and take it in terms of wait times in our health care system, in, in $50,000 added to the cost of a condo in Toronto because of delays and uh, permitting and hoop jumping and all that kind of stuff that builders have to deal with. Never mind the greedy developers. How about the inefficient, incompetent, uncaring, lazy, slovenly uh, system that we're paying enormous dollars for? Why aren't you upset about it? People say to me, why do you get so upset, Jerry? You know what I'm really upset about? That you're not upset. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm upset about, if you want to know the truth. So coming up on the show here as uh, we go along. Halloween display pulled after the town demands a permit. Was this guy misused or would you not want to be his neighbor? That's coming up on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Do you like to decorate the yard in the front of the house during times like Halloween coming up or Christmas time? Are you the person in the neighborhood with the best display? At Christmas time, especially in many communities, there'll be that house that people drive by Christmas time. Hey, kids, you want to go see the Christmas house? And they drive by and that gets to be something that the neighbors of that house find a little onerous. And this is an issue in the push perhaps. Let me tell you something quick. I was living in Kansas City, and it was around Christmas time, and it was uh, around the other side of the block there was a house that had one of those kind of Christmas displays that makes it onto the news every year. And somehow I got one of these things where you fly over the city. And if you've ever done this, if you go up in a helicopter or an airplane over top of your city, you think you know your city well. It looks completely different from up there. It takes a while. I was a traffic reporter for a little while, and it took me some time to actually learn what street I was looking at once I got up over top of everything. And so anyway, they, they were flying around, and they said, well, where do you live? And I said, in this neighborhood here. Oh, well, let's go over there, and you can see your house. Okay, that's great. I couldn't find my house. And then I thought, oh, there's the Christmas house. <laughs> the Christmas house was easy to find, and then I could extrapolate. Okay, I go around the corner. Oh, there, yeah, that's my house. Uh, that's the only way I found it, uh, actually, because, you know, I'd never looked at the roof. Uh, from up above like that. Uh, but CTV reports an expensive and elaborate festive display is no longer visible in the town of Puslinch after the homeowner decided to pull the plug because of a permit fee. Um, Sean Goose says they just seem to be selectively applying this bylaw to whom they say fit, uh, see fit. He normally sets up the display in front of his home between Halloween and Christmas. And he says, listen to this, on any given year, there's thirty to forty thousand dollars worth of props, lighting equipment, projectors, and all that stuff. And now, 
they wanted him to get a $150 uh, permit fee, so he decided to stop because he's got $40,000 he could put into stuff, but that's a line too far. It's the $150 fee. There are some neighbors who maybe aren't happy with it either. Uh, here is the homeowner who was forced to pay this permit fee for his Halloween display. In the equipment that I had out here at any given year was $30,000, $40,000 with the props, lighting, equipment, projectors, all that stuff. Okay, and then you had a problem with the fee? They just seem to be selectively applying this bylaw to whom they see fit. It's literally the fact that they wanted me to pay $150 to decorate like anyone else with, you know, just regular decorations. No show, no lights, no audio, just regular decorations. Okay, well, when you're doing it, when you're putting up the big display, you couldn't be more proud of yourself. That doesn't mean your neighbors are down with it, okay? Here's neighbor John Holford. It literally backs up the traffic sometimes to the highway, which, and it, which stops residents from trying to enter and exit the neighborhood. It affects the, the children that want to walk through the neighborhood on Halloween because it's extremely dangerous and it's dark. We don't have sidewalks out here. Um, the lighting's very minimal. So on the CTV report, I saw a shot of the neighborhood and the cars coming through, and immediately it reminded me of a scene right near the end of the movie Field of Dreams, where, you know, build it and they would come, and then the cars are coming, and then they're stretched all the way back to the town, pretty much. That's what it looked like. Now, if you live in the neighborhood, and he sets this big display up, and you, you get up in the morning, and you do what you have to do, and you go to work, and you get through the day, and you deal with the traffic that you have to deal with in order to get home and then you turn into your neighborhood and what the, now you're in line. Now you're in line to wait to drive by the neighbor's house uh, with everybody else from around the near area just so you can get home at the end of the day. I can see why people would be upset. So here's my question. Are you on team Halloween and Christmas, the guy putting up the team festive, or are you on team neighbor? Like, for God's sake, uh, dial it back a little bit, or at least go around and get cooperation from your neighbors. I don't like it when people, well, here are my numbers, 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010, toll free, 877-518-5151, 877-518-5151, and you can text me at 71010. I don't like it when people want to manage other people's property. I mean, I lived in a neighborhood at one point. We had a neighborhood association, and they would, they would get all bent out of shape and try to bring a penalty on you if you painted your front door the wrong color. Like, it was just, it's nuts. You know, I would say to people, well, don't look at that guy's front door then. Like, it's not your door. It's his door. Get over it. However, your actions can spill out to where they affect other people's life and their enjoyment of their neighborhood and their day-to-day um, -day activity. And that's when I think you've gone too far. Um, however, I'm getting by text a variety here. Team festive all day long. And another person, team neighbors. Um <laughs> and somebody else here, uh, they, I think this person is referring to the neighbors. They're the Halloween version of Scrooge. Rich people complaining. Were there injuries caused because of his house? I don't know of injuries that were caused, but certainly it changes your neighborhood. Um, here's a person who writes, this is so funny. I live five minutes from this. These are multi-million dollar homes in Fox Run. 
well, I assumed there was some money involved here. If you've got 40, look, I have a good job. I can't do $40,000 in Halloween de- uh, decorations. I'm going out of town or maybe I'd buy a pumpkin. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Uh, and Al writes in, making a really good point. He says, I get your point, Jerry, but the fee wouldn't solve the traffic problem. That's exactly right. The city just, for some reason, wanted to take 150 bucks off of him. And after spending $40,000, he said, $150 fee. That's it. That's too much. I'm not doing that. I think I would have just paid the $150 fee and laughed. That's the least of the issue. Um, here's another person who writes, Team Halloween, for God's sake, it's a short time. It is a short time, but I think this display is a Halloween slash Christmas kind of deal that he does. So once he gets going at Halloween, this is the impression I get from the story. He kind of, um, I don't know, he morphs the thing from one to the other. I get the joy he must get out of doing this. I really do. It's a, it's a hobby. Everybody should have a hobby. I mean, Mark's here running the board. Your hobby is you go around to restaurants in this town and have dinner and then put it on Instagram. Isn't that it? Yeah, one of my hobbies, I guess. What's the most you've ever spent for dinner, by the way? Probably for just me? Well, per dinner. like Oh, yeah, probably like 150 180 bucks. F- for one? Yeah, with no alcohol either. Did you have alcohol or you're just saying that was the price of the dinner? Just because usually when the price is high like that, it's because of wine or something, like a $50. Oh, yeah, yeah, wine. yeah. Um, was it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Where? I can't do it every day, but where it was, was nice. it? What was that? Sorry. Where? Oh, it was at Skippa. It doesn't exist anymore now, oh, unfortunately. Okay. It All was right. a prefix uh, sushi. Okay. Here is John from Hamilton. Uh, Jerry, uh, they could just um, talk about maybe limiting the time uh, that the lights are on, like uh, from uh, you know just when it's starting to get dark at seven o'clock until uh, until uh, eleven o'clock or something like that, but. It's just another reason for partialists to get into the news because other than that, they got Swastika Trail and they got horrible traffic going through on Highway 6. Is it still Swastika Trail? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I think that if it were my neighbor, and like I said, the time that I had a person like this, it was around the block, so not directly in front of my house. I think if it were my neighbor and I was finding it really irksome because there were so many people coming to see the thing uh, and I couldn't get in and out of my neighborhood, if it was for like, okay, he does it for four or five days around Halloween and then he does it for maybe 10 days around Christmas, maybe I would just go, okay, all right, I'll put up with it. Yeah, well, there used to be a house on... uh, um the East Hamilton Mountain on Fennel Avenue, that was huge. And people would actually, they had a bucket there. People would actually come and, and donate to his uh, hydro bill because they loved it. But the traffic there was brutal. But uh, he actually said a time, you know, and, and I, he, wouldn't, he shouldn't have it at Halloween with all the traffic there for Halloween and that. All right. Thanks very much for your call. Somebody says the, the fee, the $150 fee, did solve the traffic issue. He stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. In this case, you're exactly right. Here's a text message from Streetsville. Every winter slash Christmas time, my kids and I build a seven-foot-tall snowman that gets more attention from people driving by than uh, any well-lit house. You know how you could jack it up this Christmas and get even more attention? Every once in a while, people do this, and then other people get freaked out. 
anatomically correct snowman. This is the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Good to have you along. So Queens Park Observer this morning, I noticed, was writing, among other things, that the Ontario New Democrats are in disarray. What's going on? The journalist and founder of the Queens Park Observer, Sabrina Nanji, joins me. Sabrina, good morning. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. So this centers around the whole controversy of Sarah Jama, who ultimately then was kicked out of the NDP. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this has just been a really bad two weeks for NDP leader Marit Stiles. I mean, it's been 16 days since Sarah Jama posted her original pro-Palestine tweet that has landed her in hot water, gotten her kicked out of her own NDP party and censured by the legislature so she can no longer speak uh, until she says she's sorry in the House. Uh, and, and so this has just been like a series of... Um, you know, debacles for for the for the NDP, which obviously at this time wants all the heat on Doug Ford and his government because it feels like, you know, almost every day we're getting some new dirt on, you know, their land use plan planning policies and the green belt. So and I guess the latest now is that Marit Stiles, after booting Sarah Jama, has been getting a lot of black backlash from her own camp and new Democrats really aren't happy about how this whole thing was handled. Yes, you've got NDP members who are uh, elected members who are upset, don't think she should have been removed from the party. And um, one of them, at least, Jill Andrew, is trying to make it a race issue. Yeah. And, you know, Jill Andrew is a sitting MPP. So this is, uh, you know, this is a really strong move for her to make. And she did say that she, unlike Sarah Jama, kind of told her party that she was going to be publicly uh, coming out against them. But she essentially said that, you know, she did not agree with Sarah Jama being kicked out of the caucus. Uh, Jill Andrew, you know, is now the the last black woman standing in, in Marit Stiles' party. And she's, she didn't really uh, touch on the, you know, Israel-Hamas conflict and the specifics of, of that part of things. But she, she said that the way this was handled is, you know, perpetuating black stereotypes, especially about women, when they dissent from, you know, the party line. And I, I do think that, you know, uh, um, that that's a bold statement to make considering, you know, all the nuance and all the different factors that are at play here. I think, you know, the, the way a lot of folks that I've been talking with are seeing it is that Sarah Jama wasn't towing the party line. Not even that she was kept surprising her own party. Like they didn't know what she was going to say next. You know, the other day she uh, had her a process server try to serve Doug Ford, the premier, with a cease and desist um, over over his you know calling out Jama and Jama says it's defamation. Ford says it's not. But that was you know that caused quite a bit of a, a stir and a kerfuffle at Queens Park. And so essentially, Mart Styles and the NDP, uh, you know, the party brass were like. Sarah Jama's got to go. She's now a political liability for us. This is we're in constant damage control mode. Um, but for at least Jill Andrew and some others, I will say the federal MP Matthew Green, uh, who represents Jama's riding Hamilton Center uh, at, at Parliament Hill, he has said the same thing too. That this is you know how racialized voices are are silenced. And I just want to add really quickly, Jerry, that you know there is some. Uh, 
clout given to these arguments about race because it's interesting that Marit Stiles chose last night to put out a tweet calling for a ceasefire. Uh, she's allowed some of her other MPPs, Joel Harden in particular, to do so. And yet, you know, it's it's being compared to JAMA's original statement. And so people are saying that it's a bit hypocritical for Marit Stiles to now be saying, you know, similar things to what got JAMA booted in the first place. Well, I think that part of it is very debatable, and I think it's a useful debate, and it doesn't surprise me if there are members of a party who were upset that another member of their party, an elected uh, member of their party, would be thrown out. I could find all that legitimate. Jill Andrew, though, has been irresponsible here for two reasons. Who actually believes the NDP would throw somebody out because she's a black woman or a handicapped black woman or whatever. That had nothing to do with it. It was the fact that she wouldn't play uh, the party game. She wouldn't be on team. She she actually basically gave the metaphorical uh, middle finger to Merritt Stiles because Merritt Stiles told her to apologize and to back off on her statement. And she gave a weak apology, like I'm doing this because my boss told me to kind of apology. And then she doubled down by pinning her statement to the top of her social media account. And Jill Andrew, Jill Andrew, NDP MPP, uh, is in no position to give a responsible statement on this. She's lucky to be in the NDP because she used racial epithet against the former police chief of this city and her party accepted her as a black woman. So Jill Andrew is off base here completely. I mean, look, politics is a team sport. And you're right that JAMA was was not, uh, you know, playing on side with with her caucus and so that i think is ultimately what got her booted um but there's no denying that this has really become a test of marit styles's leadership and her ability to keep her caucus in line i mean every party you know they they will fight behind closed doors but they're usually pretty united when they come out in public and i, I think you're right you know um it's unfortunate because sarah jama is a young black Muslim woman who uses a wheelchair. I mean, she obviously is is really representative of an inclusive party and the NDP would love to have her on the benches because she represents so many voices that typically go um, underrepresented in politics. But I, I do think that you're right. You know, there there are a lot of already um, different factors at play here. I mean, Israel and Palestine is like your perennial hot potato. And now to throw race in the mix of it, I mean, this is just another headache for Marit Stiles. Well, sure it is, because I'm talking to Sabrina Nanji. She's a journalist and the founder of the Queen's Park Observer, the New Democrats in disarray. Um, as you mentioned, Sabrina, part of what people didn't like about Sarah Jama starting this whole controversy was then everybody including talk shows like me and, and uh, publications like yours, are concentrating on that instead of what the NDP really wants, which is, uh, you know, another round of what's wrong with Doug Ford, uh, which is what they would they would prefer. And so now Jill Andrew and the others that you've mentioned within the party, they're just keeping this controversy going. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You'd think that, you know, giving Jamma the boot, she's now an independent. She's no longer able to speak in the House. You'd think that this would be the end of it. Uh, for for the NDP, but it's it's really not. More and more people are speaking out. They're they're pinning this on Marit Styles, um, and you know. Meanwhile, the PCs are 
obviously they've got their fair share of problems, but right now everyone's talking about what's happening with the NDP. And meanwhile, you know, we're hearing that there's this mountain of FOI documents coming that, uh, about MZOs and, you know, more controversy on land, land use planning from the forward government, more preferential treatment. That's those sort of allegations, um, that are just going to add fuel to the Ford government's green belt fire. Uh, but yet here we are talking about Marit Stiles and the NDP, and I don't think that it's over anytime soon. Marit Stiles is not the first party leader to throw people out of the party because they weren't playing uh, party politics. They weren't on team, so to speak, and she won't be the last. However, the um, now she's got this whole controversy that isn't in the back room. It's public. Is her leadership in any kind of danger? Uh, at this point, I don't I don't really think so. I mean, there are some people who are calling for it. Um, but as we know, you know, social media is not real life. I thought uh, it probably didn't help today that Sarah Jama's riding association, that's like the local NDP in Hamilton Center, they're calling for a leadership review of Marit Siles. So, you know, that could spark uh, that could spark a bit of an uprising against her, but I don't think she's going anywhere anytime soon. I do think that it, you know, this is just part of the growing pains of being a new leader. She only came to the NDP helm earlier this year. Um, but certainly I think, as you said, you know, she's not the only leader to boot someone from from the party for not not playing uh, the team sport, you know, but I think where Marit made a misstep is taking so long to do this. Uh, you know, maybe she should have done this right away two weeks ago. We've kind of seen Doug Ford, um, you know, actually act a bit more swiftly. I'm thinking of when uh, Roman Babber got kicked out for us coming out hard against uh, COVID restrictions at the time. And, you know, Ford said, you, you've got to go. And he sort of nipped that in the bud really quickly, which was good issues management um, from the PC party. Whereas, you know, Marit Stiles has sort of just been allowing this to fester. It's, it's fueled negative headlines. It's raised more questions than answers for the past two weeks. And, you know, a lot of folks in her party really aren't happy with, with this, how this whole thing was handled. And they're, you know, they're talking about it. They're talking to reporters, they're airing the party's dirty laundry. And that's really not a place you want to be as a party leader. Sabrina Nanji, the Queens Park Observer. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. This is the iHeartRadio Talk Network. I won't be here tomorrow. Deb Hutton's going to fill in for me. In fact, she's joining me on Party for Two coming up in a few minutes, but uh, she will fill in. And I'm heading down to Dallas. And here's what I want to talk to you about. Um, when we put this together, and it came together kind of quickly, my son said, oh, well, while you're here, we're going to a Halloween party. Okay, it's a costume party. And so what all my buddies and I decided to do, he said, is dress up as characters from the movie Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Donnie, I don't even know that movie. Not many people do. I only know because I went to art school with film and animation nerds. Okay, it's an animated Disney film. Yes, not very well popular. or like. So I don't know well why liked. they picked it. Uh, I mean, like, the character design's kind of good. There's, like, they, all the characters look very odd. The one female character is very kind of, like, uh, for those who have seen the movie, kind of, like, memorable. I don't know how else to put that. Well, I was looking at the characters because I don't know the movie and thinking, I'm hoping that my uh, son's girlfriend is going to wear more than that. Yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> but um, that said, uh, uh, the, they want me to go. 
and and have been participating in putting together the, the get-up so that I can wear a costume and be part of the theme of his group that's going to this party. And, um, well, if you know the movie, and you could look it up anyways to see what this silly character looks like, apparently I'm going as Mole from Atlantis, The Lost Empire. This is Mole. I will know soon enough. Hey, 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 let go! Oh, hi, baby. Full still. <laughs> there you are. Now tell me your story, my little friend. Should I talk like that for the entire party? Um, no, but here's my hesitation, okay? I'll probably go because, you know, there's been this whole thing of putting a costume together for me. Should I be going to a party with a bunch of my son's friends? Like, is there, well, who brought dad? <laughs> like, who brought dad to the party? Or, um, so we're not talking about little kids, right? We're talking about adults, now, let me ask, let me poll uh, Mark. If you showed up with a party, I'm significantly older than you. If you, I, may, I may be the age of your dad. So if you showed up at the party and somebody like me showed up, would you go, what's he doing here? I, I would judge the, uh, like, I mean, I don't think I would find it awkward if your maturity level was that of a 30-year-old. <laughs> Is it? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I know how to have fun. And if some uh, idiot brings up some political issue at the party, I'm going to let it go. I'm not, Okay. I'm just there to have a good time. Then I think you'd fit in. Yeah, Donnie, what do you think? If I didn't know who you are and I'm 30 years old and you showed up at my keg party, my first question to people around me are, is who's the narc? <laughs> <laughs> who's the narc? Yeah, that's right. They haven't legalized marijuana down there. So some people might be running for the bathroom. I don't know. Because I, I have no idea what goes on at parties my son goes to. You tend not to know what goes on at the parties your kids go to, and especially once they're over 18 and then they do what they do. They're, they could be getting up to all kinds of shenanigans. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess that's not the plan on the part of my son and his girlfriend, or they wouldn't bring me along. They would have said, okay, so just so you know, the one night that you're here, we're going to be out at a party, so you're going to have to entertain yourself. Okay, that's what they would have done. So what would you do? Would you go, we're talking adult kids here, not would you go to a, I wouldn't have gone with them to a party when they were teenagers. I, would, that, I think that's a different kind of thing. I mean, these are going to be people who are, you know, they're, they're significantly younger than me, but they have jobs. They have the, you know, there's elements that we can relate to. There's a complete difference between somebody who's 17 and somebody who's 27 or, or 30, a complete difference. So would you go in a situation like that? Do you think I should bow out and let the young folks have their fun? 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. Toll free, 877-518-5151. 518-5151. And you can text me at 71010. Ellen writes in, you're a cool dad, Jerry. Well, I appreciate that. I think the one thing I have to do is not try to be a cool dad. Not try to be hip with them. If they bring up some musical act they listen to and I don't have any idea who they're talking about, I'm going to say I don't have any idea who you're talking about. I'm not. Is there anything you'd like to know about Led Zeppelin? How about the Beatles? Like, you know, let's, uh, I mean, then I would say, I, I don't know them. Why should I know them? What, what, tell me about them. Well, hold on. Ellen's got to call in and tell me, like, you're a cool dad. What makes you a cool dad? Like, is she a member of the conservative party? Like, what is going on? I need Ellen to call in and tell us why she thinks you're cool. 416-872-1010. Um, here's a person who writes, you should go, Jerry. You have great stories, and young people love hearing them. Do they? 
I have to moderate the stories. Like maybe here's one that somebody who's 30 would like to hear. I did make up a joke about something that was going on here in Canada, and I told my son. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't one I was going to use on the radio. And then there were some people I, uh, I told him. And that, but I wasn't going to say it to the people that he works with. And after the restaurant closed, he said, bring everybody over here. You've got to hear my dad's joke. <laughs> so, okay, well, he told me, you know. Uh, so I, I guess I can get along with them. Here's Brian from Mississauga. Hey, hey Jer, you're going to feel completely out of place, you know. I've gone to a party like that where I was the oldest. And I tell you, you're going to feel out of place. You're not going to like it. Okay, well, that's a possibility. What what went wrong? Do you think? Um, for ages, for one thing, I would say ages for one thing would be the um, um, there might be people there um, uh, doing drugs and that, and and like they might think that you're a narc. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be awkward for you. I wouldn't go. Okay, I, I mean, it was funny when Donnie said, "Who's the narc?" But I, I think the thing is, no, that's that that's Tanner's dad is what they'll say. Uh, you're gonna feel out of place. Well, then, then I guess that's how it's gonna go. Because <laughs> I probably would go because he seems to really want me to. Well, yeah, of course he wants you to go. But believe me, um. Don't say I didn't warn you. Put it that way. All right, Brian. Thanks very much. Rob writes in and suggests that I go home, but then Uber home myself to be in time, you know, to go to bed at 930. (laughs) All right. Thanks, kids. I had a good time, but I got to go home now and go to sleep. I saw a clip the other day of a guy um, doing stand-up comedy, and he looked like he was probably 85 years old. And I thought, what is he going to do? Because that's not the audience that shows up at a comedy club. And here was his opener. I thought this was hilarious. He walked up, and he walked very stiffly. He walked like I do now, and I'm recovering from a knee operation. And he kind of limped up onto the stage, and he took the microphone out of the stand, and he went over, and he sat down kind of like heavily on a stool. And then he said, the hard part of stand up comedy used to be the comedy. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is Kevin from St. Catharines. Yeah, hey, how you doing? I'm well. Good. Yeah, no, I don't agree with your last caller. I think you should absolutely go to the party. Um, just first, though, for context, how old's your son? 30. And yourself? 68. Yeah, you know what? I don't see a problem with that whatsoever. If your son's inviting you to a party, obviously he sees you as somebody who can converse with others um, at their level or however you like to put it. And, uh, and just have a good time. So I wouldn't see a problem with it at all. All right. I appreciate it. And I only have a few seconds here, Fred. What do you think? Yeah, no, I was telling your screener, uh, when I was in my 20s, we were down at the Brunswick House, uh, the Brenny there. And my father had called me saying that he had lost his key to go home. He was out. He said, I'm going to pass by to pick up your key. In the spain the night with us, so we partied with him at the Brenny. Well, okay, maybe that'll happen. Maybe I can party to, you know. All night. Yeah. Like it's 2099. Okay, thanks very much. The iHeartRadio Talk Network.